Welcome to Strange Things. I'm Steve Stockton, and in this episode, Jim and I will be discussing strange Ouija board stories. Join us. The Ouija board. Some call the Ouija board a toy and see it as a harmless party game. Some people view it as a tool to use for divination or contacting those in the spirit world. But some people, due to frightening, unexplainable supernatural experiences, consider it a portal into the world of evil spirits and demonic entities. Have a listen to these 13 true stories, and then you can judge for yourself. Sometimes in life, there are strange circumstances that makes one question if some things really are just a coincidence or if it is actually a much stronger force at work. When Brad used an Ouija board during his first year away at college, he had a very unsettling experience. Just as the Ouija board began responding to us, all the power went out in the dorm we'd gathered in, he says. All the other dorm rooms in our building had power. It was just the one we had gathered in to consult the mystifying oracle that was in the dark. We were very spooked about this turn of events and stopped using the board and put it away. And just as soon as the box containing the board was shoved back under the bed, the power suddenly flickered back to life. To say the least, Brad states the timing of the whole incident was very eerie. Justine and several of her friends from school decided to play with the Ouija board one dark and rainy day in the fall. They were off from school that day, so they thought it might be fun to try and have a little seance at their sleepover. Whenever they tried to ask the board questions, instead of answering the questions, the planchette would only move to the four corners of the board as if making a giant X. It just keeps going to all the corners of the board, making out this huge X pattern, she said. Then it would stop in the middle of the board and refuse to move for a while. They eventually gave up on the idea of the seance and decided to watch horror films instead. Later that night, around midnight, they decided to try the Ouija once again. As before, the board would respond in the same fashion and the planchette would trace out the giant X before refusing to go any further. We got the idea that the board was trying to tell us something, as if perhaps it was giving us a strong warning, she continued. They all got spooked and decided to put the board away for good, at least as far as this sleepover was concerned. Some of the girls said they felt as if they were being watched by some invisible presence. Later that night, when everyone was sleeping, Justine says she felt a cold hand grab her by the ankle and wake her up. She sat up quickly, thinking one of her friends was playing a trick on her, only to find out all the other girls were sound asleep. After that, she said, we never used the Ouija board again during sleepovers. Jeremy began playing with Ouija boards when he was just a small boy, and he states that he has continued to experience paranormal phenomena ever since. My grandpa on my dad's side passed away a few years before I was born, he says. He and my dad hadn't been on speaking terms for years when he passed. So when I was growing up, my dad never really talked about him much or even had any pictures of him around or anything. Jeremy states that he started having nighttime visitations from a ghostly entity that called itself Richard, whom he had first talked to using the Ouija board. He didn't know it at the time, but Richard was his deceased grandfather's name. One day my mother was cleaning out one of the closets and found a box full of pictures. She took one out, looked at it kind of strangely, and said, Here's someone you've never seen before. Oh, that's Richard, Jeremy loudly exclaimed when he saw the photo. When his mother told him that that was a picture of his dead grandfather, Jeremy thought that his grandfather must have decided to come through the Ouija board in order to have a relationship with a grandson he had never known. Andrew was in his room one night and noticed that the room felt strange. He'd been playing with a Ouija board earlier that day with his friend Jim and had gotten a little spooked. Whomever, or whatever, we were talking to on the board kept saying it would come for a visit later, Andrew says. So I was already in a state of heightened awareness. We had told it, no, you can't come through, but it had insisted and said it was going to come anyway. So later that night, as he was getting ready for bed, his flat-screen TV in his room did something strange. It turned on by itself. 
turning it off, he continued getting ready for bed. Once again, the television brought itself back to life. Getting seriously weirded out now, Andrew unplugged the TV completely, and then the unpowered TV came back on again and then shut itself off. As the room lights also flickered, Andrew caught sight of the Ouija board on his desk and remembered the entity's promise to visit. He ended up breaking the Ouija board in half and buried the pieces in his backyard that very night. Afterwards, all the strange electrical issues immediately ceased. When Alex was in high school, he spent the weekend with a bunch of his friends at someone's parents' lake house. One of the boys, Brian, wanted to use a Ouija board he brought to contact his grandmother who had passed away a few weeks earlier. The boys got the board set up and for a spookier atmosphere, decided to light a single candle. As they began calling upon the spirit of the grandmother to join them, the candle would extinguish itself. After the third or fourth time relighting the candle, it suddenly flew all by itself directly at Alex's head. He says they decided it might not be the best idea to try and continue calling the old lady's spirit, as she obviously wasn't in the mood to talk. They did successfully speak with some other entities by the board, and Alex says the candle stayed lit and in place for the rest of the session. Jenny recounts that her first experience with a Ouija board was so frightening that it became her last one. Her friend from school, Anne, had come over to visit one day and brought her Ouija board with her. It was fun in an exhilarating, creepy way, Jenny states, but afterwards, all kinds of weird things began to happen. While consulting the board and speaking to several spirits, the girls began to hear what sounded like someone in heavy boots stomping around upstairs. Yet they were the only ones in the house at the time. And I still get the shivers at what happened next, Jenny says. One of the spirits told me that if I went to a certain spot in the living room, he would be standing there, but invisible. Sure enough, when she crawled over the spot the spirit described, she could literally feel a column of cold air and also what felt like static electricity as her hand came near it. I was so scared, Jenny says, but thankfully Anne knew how to banish the spirit and close the portal. She further states that after she'd finally calmed down, she swore she'd never use the Ouija board again, and she hasn't. Once I saw an actual ghost a full-bodied apparition, George says of his past experience with the Ouija board. George further states that the ghost he saw was that of a young girl who was wearing simple, homemade-looking clothes from years gone by. One day, George mentioned the story to his neighbors, who just happened to be local history buffs. They did some research and discovered that the spirit he had seen matched the description of a girl who had once lived in the house George lived in. George says... The ghost ended up being that of Anna, a 10-year-old girl who had succumbed to cholera in the house back in the late 1800s. I wasn't afraid of her, but the look of desperate loneliness on her little face always made me feel so sad. George states that he stopped using the Ouija board once the apparition began appearing. When he was a youngster, Lenny was at summer camp one year when he and some of the other boys decided they wanted to try and summon some spirits. They didn't have a Ouija board handy, so they wrote out all the letters and numbers on small pieces of paper and taped them to the top of a desk. To continue with their improvisation, they smashed a Coke can flat and used that as the pointer. Just as soon as we began using the board, he says, it began working. We were so amazed. Lenny also states that they had an older teenager as a camp counselor whom they didn't like because he was sort of mean to the campers. Just as a sort of mean joke, we asked the board if the mean counselor had any bad luck in his foreseeable future, Lenny says. And sure enough, our little homemade Ouija board spelled out C-A-R-W-R-E-C-K. We laughed and tried to ask it more questions, but the board grew silent and no longer worked. Lenny says that the next morning at breakfast, there was quite a buzz going on in the dining hall. It seems that Chad, the mean counselor, had wrecked his car on the way into town that morning. He wasn't seriously injured, Lenny states, but we all felt kind of responsible, like maybe we had caused it to happen. After that, we were scared to ever try using a homemade Ouija board again. When he was in high school, Sam decided to use a Ouija board with some of his friends one night. 
However, they were unsuccessful at getting any entities to talk to them, and they all finally just decided to give up. They did find out later, however, that the Ouija board really did work. After that night trying to raise spirits on the Ouija board, weird stuff started happening in the house all the time, Sam says, and it still hasn't ceased to this day. We've heard footsteps and knocks when there was no one there, glasses have moved by themselves in the kitchen, a lampshade was seen to spin on its own in one of the bedrooms. I even walked into the kitchen once to see a cup of juice fly across the room when I was the only one home. The sound of voices can often be heard downstairs at night. Somehow, even though we didn't talk to them via the Ouija board, some very active spirits found their way into the house. I don't think it's ever going to stop. Most people use the Ouija board in a group or at least with one other person. But Oksana wanted to see what would happen if she tried consulting the mystifying oracle by herself. Placing her hands on the planchette, she took a deep breath and closed her eyes and began asking the board questions. But the pointer didn't budge. She decided, oh well, and went to fetch the box so she could put the board away, when out of the corner of her eye, she sensed movement. The planchette was moving on the board on its own, and then it flew off onto the floor. I've since heard that it's dangerous to try and operate the board alone, she says. Perhaps it was the board's way of warning me, she continued, so I've decided to never attempt using it solo in the future. When Tommy was a freshman in college, he and some doormates tried a Ouija board and had a threatening encounter with some very dark spirits. The dorm hall where we lived had been used as a morgue at one time, he says. It was the perfect setting for a goof with friends, he thought, but they failed to realize how serious it could get. The planchette began to move on the board. The spirit or spirits communicated to them that 83 demons would come for them. Tommy says, the next thing you know, the dorm is haunted and the girls on their floor can't sleep because the stuff was turning on and off and messing with them. So we had a priest come in to bless the room. It was good afterwards. He adds, that's why I don't mess with Ouija boards anymore. When Vivian was young, one of her friends convinced her to try using a Ouija board with her. Vivian was kind of hesitant, but it sounded like spooky fun, so she decided to give it a try anyway. However, once they began using the board, the lights in the bedroom began to flicker and they felt cold air rushing through the room. Shortly after, a spirit began to communicate with them and they both became frightened. Vivian says the spirit identified itself as a man who had been murdered nearby years ago. We decided to stop immediately and I haven't touched Ouija since. It was just too frightening. I can still remember the first time I tried using a Ouija board, Patty tells us. I was 10 years old and it was along with my mother and my 15-year-old sister. Patty and her family had just moved into a big old house in upstate New York. Patty, her mom, and her sister had just finished dinner and were looking for something to do because the cable TV company hadn't been out to install their connection yet. Her sister was unpacking some things from the moving boxes when she brought out a Ouija board. They chose to sit on the floor in front of the fireplace and give the board a try. Just as we were getting started, Patty continues, a huge box of books on the other side of the living room suddenly slid on its own across the floor. The box was almost too heavy to lift without two people, so it was really scary to see it move by itself. Soon after, the fire in the fireplace began to act up, first sputtering like it was dying, and then the next minute flaring up into a great blaze. Patty continues, We decided maybe playing with the Ouija board in this big old house that we didn't know the history of wasn't such a good idea. Maybe I'll try again someday, if I'm ever feeling that brave. Well, there you have 13 strange tales of weird events that have happened while people were using Ouija boards. Have you ever experienced anything supernatural while consulting the mystifying oracle? Let us know. Gemma, what's been your experience with Ouija boards? I have so many Ouija board experiences, um, but the one that stick, well, there's two that stick out to me the most, but... There was one, I was with my cousin at my sister's house in Pennsylvania, and it was the middle of the night, and we couldn't sleep. So we decided to light some candles and do the Ouija board. Why not, right? I think we were drinking, but I'm not sure. 
So anyway, we're doing the Ouija board and it starts saying like, we're like, who are you? And it starts spelling out things like death, mother. And it was really uncomfortable because my aunt was killed and this was my cousin, her son. So I remember being extremely uncomfortable with that. And I remember him getting really PO'd, but he kept saying things like death and mother and murder, which is just very creepy. And we were like, we're going to stop. So my cousin took his hand off the planchette and I kept mine on. I'm like, I'm going to keep going. And it just kept saying the same three things over and over again. Listen, when I tell you how scared we were, so I took my hands off the planchette as I'm going to put the board away, all the lights in the house go off. The five candles we had lit started flickering and they turned off and we heard someone scream. So my sister runs downstairs and my brother-in-law run downstairs. Like, what are you guys doing? Like it's the middle of the night. Nobody screamed. I was really scared, but my cousin was right there, my male cousin. So it wasn't me and it wasn't my sister. She was upstairs sleeping. So we went and we just flicked the lights back on. They were literally turned off. Like, the switches were turned to the off position. And that's the last time I ever used a Ouija board because, like I said, that's not the only experience I've had. And it stuck with me. And I always wonder, like, what was that about? Death, mother, murder. You know, it was very, very strange that that was how my aunt had died. And I, I don't know. It was so scary. It was sad. It was, it was like every emotion. I was crying all choked up. And then I had anger. Like, it did something to me. Mm-hmm emotionally i experienced like every emotion within a matter of 10 minutes and i ended the night not being able to see straight i don't know something happened to me that night and i've never ever messed with the ouija board again i won't even go near them i won't have one in my house because of mainly my toddler i have four sons but two of them have always seen and heard things that weren't there my 16 year old can tell you can describe a dead ancestor that he's never met to a T and tell you his name and he'll tell you I you know this person was in my room and he came to my new house in 2017 and told me that the one room in the house was haunted that there was some guy standing in there he described the owner the original owner of the house so to bring that thing around my toddler now wondering how would it affect him does he have the same sixth sense that my 16 year old and 21 year old have it's very scary to me Ouija boards really scare me yeah interesting and the, 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 the scream and all that. Now, I had that once when I was talking about the my Black Eyed Kids experience. After I'd told it the first time ever on the old Art Bell show, I had a scream in the house. And that was very disquieting. But as far as Ouija boards, I've always had a good experience with them personally. It's when I've been with other people that were using them that it kind of went south. I was just going to say that. Yep, I, when I've used them alone, except one time, which I'll talk about later. But the, the first one I ever got... I remember I was sick that day. I was sickly as a kid. I had a lot of allergies and breathing issues and things like that. I would get the croup and all kinds of sinus problems until I had my tonsils and adenoids out when I was between five and six, and that cured all my allergy problems at that time. And I was sick that day, and my mom had stopped at the drugstore to get some medicine for me, and I'd wandered back to the toy aisle, which, you know, it was... A field day for me. If I was sick, I got to go to the doctor, and then I would always get a toy or a book. <laughs> and then we would stop at McDonald's or Dairy Queen or something on the way home. So I was excited, even though I'd, I felt bad. And I'd wandered back to the, the toy aisle, and I saw this box. And it was black, and it had, this is the one from the, the 60s. This would have been about 1969 or so. It was just it was a black box. It said Ouija. And it had like a blue hooded figure. You couldn't see the face. I think it's like holding its finger up or something. Just very eerie, very strange looking. And it just sort of jumped out at me. I'm like, oh, what's this? And my mom said, oh, that's a Ouija board. And she kind of explained what it was. Now, her side of the family, they were into the spiritualism movement from around the turn of the last century. They did seances. They did table tappings or table tippings. They used a Ouija board. My grandmother, a self-described gypsy witch, she was really a granny witch, which is what they're known as in Appalachia, but she called herself a gypsy witch. She read tea leaves, coffee grounds, animal entrails, cards. She liked just either regular playing cards or what's known as Lenormand cards. She didn't like tarot cards. There was something about those that turned her off. She could do the phrenology, which is where they can tell things about you by the bumps on your head. So interesting. And palmistry. She could read palms. 
She knew every superstition, everything going, every port and every omen, every warning. And that's what I grew up around. So yeah, it was just, it was a natural thing when my mom explained it to me. It's like, I want this. And I, I think I must have been in kindergarten at the time because one of the first things I asked it about, there was a record of Christmas music that I'd heard at kindergarten. And I mean, I was an Aspie as a kid. I had Asperger's syndrome. And when I got focused on something or obsessed with something, that was all that existed to mm -hmm. me. And I wanted this one particular Christmas album so bad. Now, the kindergarten that I went to, this was before they had state-mandated kindergarten, and it was at a church. And it had been there for years, decades. And I'm guessing the, the record was probably from the 50s. So this would have been in 68, 69. And as soon as we got home, my mom, you know, I'd already explained how it worked. Of course, I had to use it right then. So we sat down on the couch, put our knees together, put the board on there. First question I asked was, when will it snow? It was Christmas time. I wanted <laughs> snow. And it gave a date. And it did snow that day, even though it wasn't in the forecast. But the, the first real meaty question that I gave it was, where can I get this Christmas album? So we sat there. Sure enough, it spelled out the name of a record store in uh Nearby Knoxville, we lived in West Knox County, almost in Oak Ridge. It spelled out the name of a little obscure used record store, which was in downtown Knoxville on Market Square Mall. There's not anything down there now, I don't think, except for some restaurants and brew pubs and stuff. Back then, downtown was where you went. This was pre-mall days. And my mom called the place on the phone, and back then it was a long-distance call because we had an Oak Ridge phone number. She called Knoxville, got the guy on the phone, and he's like, uh, I'll go look in the back and see if I've got it. And she hung up, and I'm just heartbroken. You know, like, well, that's that. You know, you won't have it, whatever. But sure enough, about an hour later, he calls back. And he said, I have a copy of that record. Would you like me to hold it for you? And I'm just like, yes, yes. Wow. And I'm jumping around. And sure enough, within a week, a couple of days after that, we went to downtown Knoxville, went in. They held the record for us. And I rode home with it in my lap, and all I could think of was, thank you, Ouija. <laughs> right. A lot of times I'll say so Ouija. Helpful. That's just my southernness coming through. It, it's a Ouija board. It's two words. Right. We, French for yes, and yeah. Or German witch for board. Yes. Yeah, we, witch board. I never heard it called that until I was an adult. I always heard Ouija board. That's down south. Ouija. <laughs> but that was my, my first experience with it, like that as a kid, and and basically, you know, given the standard warnings, don't ask it anything that you don't want to know. Don't ask it things like when you're going to die or how you're going to die. Or don't ask it about friends or family member and, and how and when they're going to die. That's just not good practice, even though it could give you answers. There's some things you're better off not knowing. I feel like you really shouldn't ask to speak to your loved ones either, because that leads to trickery and kind of invitation do you know what i mean because oh, absolutely. You, think, you think you're communicating with your loved one so you continuously go to the board to speak to your there's a movie an old 80s horror movie you know me the horror queen and it's called Witchboard. yep I've and it has that. tawny Catan. yes and it's just you know that movie was always what was in my head you know i've been watching horror movies since i can walk my mother is the real queen of horror and i was always so afraid of the malfader you know the the villain in the witchboard movies that, mm -hmm. that possesses the woman but another one i had and the the story that we told about whatever we were talking about on the board kept saying it would come for a visit I had one bad experience of using the Ouija board by myself, and I had to have been about nine or ten years old, and it was the same thing. I was sick. I was, you know, home in my room, and my father and my stepmother were, I don't even know where they were, but I was home in my room watching my big box TV and with my little rabbit ear antenna, and I decided to play the Ouija, and I don't remember specifically what I was asking it, but I remember being, like, really pissed off uh, at the answers it was giving me. So I decided to just toss it into the box. I didn't let it say goodbye, and I was angry. And I went back to sleep, and that night I had heard a man whispering things to me. And I did. I screamed at the top of my lungs, and my stepmother came running in. They thought I had a high fever because when I was younger, I used to, when I would get sick, I'd get sick once a year for four or five days I'd spend in bed. And sometimes my fever would get so high I'd start hallucinating. And the minute I started hallucinating, I'd go into seizures. So I, I, 
heard um, a man talking to me and threatening me in my room. And again, the scream, but this time a man's scream, which made me scream because I'm laying in the dark in my room at night. And this was like six or seven hours after I'd played the Ouija board. And it didn't occur to me until a few years later. That's probably what that was. I had so much trouble in that house after that Ouija board. It's like everything just went downhill. They really, like I said, they terrify me to this day. It's not something I really think about. But when I do, like talking about them like this, I really, the BEK scream, that's really interesting you said that, and it's a little off topic, but I've heard quite a few stories where people heard an animal-like, kind of Mm hyena-like scream when they've turned their back on BEKs, you know, within hours or sometimes even seconds after doing so, this inhuman scream. and. The screams I heard both times, the man when I was 9 or 10, the woman when I was with my cousin when I was like 25, 26, maybe younger, they were very human and they were very scary, almost blood curdling. And I could still hear them in my head to this day. I'm like all freaked out. It's snowing outside here in New Jersey. (laughs) I'm just like, oh God, it's like the perfect day. I'm waiting to read my tarot. No, I've never fooled with it a lot as far as doing it just by myself. I always preferred to do it with somebody and somebody that was. Of a like mind, uh, you have to be careful who you do it with. It can't be somebody that's intoxicated too much or anybody that thinks it's a joke or that's making fun of it and making light of it if you want I it did to it work. With, I did it with two people who did nothing but laugh the whole time, and the results were terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's usually when the boards act up and when weird things happen is when there's one or more people that aren't serious about it. And there was one story there that we covered where the kids were at summer camp and they didn't have a Ouija board and they made one with uh, tape and letters to a desk and used a Coke can. I was in an abandoned house one time that was supposedly haunted and we did the same thing. One of my friends had a notepad and we wrote the letters. We didn't tape them to anything, but we just put them on on a board that we'd found, a piece of wood, and we used a, a flattened beer can as a planchette, and it worked, although not very well. But so I don't think it's necessarily the board. It's, I, I don't understand how it works, but it's... The energy. I it's, think it's, it's the, the energy. energy there, but I think when you have an actual board, and I've even heard stories, there's urban legends about the, the factory where they make those, that witches come in and bless each and every one and cast spells over them before they send them out. Who knows? That sounds like a marketing you know, gimmick, but... You're opening a a portal. I do believe that it does have some kind of connection to the spirit realm. And when I hear things like don't play with, you hear psychics and and mediums say it all the time, do not play with a Ouija board or spirit board because you're opening a portal and anything can come through. You know, what was that thing? Zozo. Yeah. Now that's a famous Ouija story. that, And it's shown up on multiple boards around the world. And a lot of times I've heard that when Zozo shows up on a board, you might as well get rid of it because nothing else will ever come through. Will come through. Yep. That was exactly where I was going with that. I just, I remember, you know, uh, I prefer play by myself because like I said, I've said it many times. I was a loner kid. I did not have friends, but I would always like think the other person was moving it. I wanted to know for sure no one was moving it. And the only way I could do that was if I played it by myself. Mm Mm-hmm. But they say they, mediums, psychics, all the experts, uh, quote unquote, say that playing it by yourself leaves you extremely vulnerable and leaves you very, very open for demonic or spiritual possession. And I believe, like you said, it's a portal. And one of the reasons that's why it is so dangerous is because, like if you're doing magic, say, and you cast a circle of protection, you do all that, then... When that's finished, you banish that. You rub the circle out or you you do things. You do a banishing spell or something to close that. But with a Ouija board, you're inviting something in and then you're just, you know, okay, goodbye, and you put it back in the box. That's not closing the portal. They say never stop until you let it say goodbye. But even with that, you know, I've done that too. When I played with my oldest sister and my uncle, they laughed the whole time. And we were watching a movie and... My sister was like, if you're here, give us a sign. And her and my uncle are laughing. And I'm like, guys, stop laughing. And this was in one apartment my mother lived in that was, I know it was extremely haunted because both of my sons that I told you that have the sixth sense, the sight, saw things in that apartment. But anyway, so 
we're watching, you know, a VCR tape. <laughs> this was the early 90s. And all of a sudden, the movie, the Ouija board flew across the room. And my uncle was like, you did that? Or and then my sister, we were all blaming each other. And I knew that none of us did it. Then all of a sudden, the tape popped out of the VCR, popped back into the VCR. Now we're all sitting on the couch across <laughs> the room. And then all of a sudden, the movie comes on, but it's in slow motion, like a demon voice. It's saying what the person on the screen was saying, but it was in a very demonic and slow tone. Then the TV went off, the tape popped back out, and we all slept together, terrified, shaking on the floor (laughs) that night. I remember hearing my uncle, my sister and I were laying on the floor, and he was sitting on the couch, wide awake, couldn't go to sleep like three in the morning. And he's like, come on, guys, don't fall asleep on me. Come on, guys. And, you know, he's like maybe 12 years older than me, like eight years older than my sister. And he was so pissed that he's like, can't go to sleep on me, guys. He's like, what am I supposed to do if it comes back? You know, this grown man panicking mm-hmm. over this Ouija board. But that's the thing. And I've seen that happen. I've seen the planchette fly off the board and one person accuse the other one of doing it. I, I've never had that happen, but I have had it like pull really strongly to the point where if you tried to hold it in place, you couldn't do it. It's pulling right. that hard. Now that's like my father was able to water douse, water witch that he would do with a, what was called a willow wand. And he taught me how to do that. And it's the same with that wand. You, you hold it. It's a... a Forked branch. Is it like a dowsing Yeah, one, dowsing, kind of? dowsing rod. It's Y-shaped, and you hold one arm of the Y. It's inverted, and there's a certain way you have to hold it to get it to work correctly. But when it pulls, when it points down, I've had it strip the bark off in my hands. It would pull that hard down. No matter how hard wow. I'm trying to hold it up, it would turn so hard that it would just, you know. So I felt those kind of forces. Now, to me, that's a different thing. It's still some kind of force that we don't understand that we can tap into. And I think the Ouija is similar to that, but I think there's also a definitely a spiritual and very possibly demonic component there. I've heard of many people ending up with unwelcome demonic entities in their home after using dowsing rods. Yeah. And on the Ouija boards, I've been there before and, and watched something. Please let me come through. I want to come through. I'm coming. You can't stop me. But you just yeah. you have to tell it, no, you're not coming. You're, you're not allowed. No, nothing, no person, entity, spirit that we talk to is allowed to come any farther than this board. But even then, if you haven't properly banished it and closed it up and things, I've heard of stuff that can still come through. And again, it's I think it can be a useful tool for divination in the right hands. But that um, doesn't come with directions to tell yeah, you that it either. it doesn't really. And again, there's all these horror stories. There's lots of good stories. I've, I've heard some good stories about it, but it seems like about... Eight or nine out of ten tend to be bad things. That the majority, have yep. Yeah. I don't think I've ever had a good experience. Maybe solo by myself, I've asked some questions and gotten some answers. But And again, that force, whatever it is, I, I do pendulum dowsing. I've got a really nice crystal pendulum that uh, Cisco Murdoch made for me. And that thing, it vibrates. I mean, when I first took hold, she sent me like several and let me pick the one that I wanted. When I picked that one up, i like, this is the one. This is the most powerful one. And Gemma, literally, I've been holding that by the chain and had it stand out at an angle, like it's pulling that hard. I'm not swinging it, it's it's pulling out. So there is something to all this, something we don't know or something we don't understand, or is it psychokinesis or telekinesis? Is it my mind moving it? Do I know the answers to these questions? And then pendulum is just a way to show me. I once heard somebody explain tarot cards as a concrete way to explain an abstract concept. And I understand that. Like back when I read tarot cards, a lot of times when somebody would walk into to my parlor where I did my readings, I would know what their question was. I would know what the answer was. I but, do tarot and I agree, yes. But if, if they just came into my house and sat down and I'm like, uh, yeah, your husband's cheating on you. You know, they'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever. He's probably full of crap. But right. when they come in and I, I spread the cards out, you know, they ask their question, and it turns up in the cards. That not only tells me that I'm zoned in to where I need to be, but that the cards are as well. And then I've even had, now I don't like to run and rerun the cards. I like to just, you know, one question per run. But I have have done that for people. I have ran them again and have essentially the same reading come up, if not exactly the same reading. Yeah, I do tarot, and I definitely understand. Right now, I only do like my sister's. I'm practicing to actually try to get a channel up doing it because I do needle charts and all that stuff too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's just another thing. Like you said, another form of divination. I consult tarot cards every single day, 
just for a quick daily reading of what I can expect and what's going on behind the scenes, you know, and it's, you ever, it's always right. Have you ever tried the Lenormand cards? No. They're very similar to the tarot, but they use just like regular playing cards, but they have little pictures on them up in the corner. They're similar. I've seen different. them used. I'm, I'm subscribed to a couple horoscope channels that I view monthly. Yeah. And though they use those cards. But I'll send you a set of those. I'm much better with those than I am regular tarot cards. Oh, that would be awesome. I'd that like for you to try them up. <laughs> and, and see if you are. And some people, for a lot of people are scared of the tarot. And there is kind of a dark energy with it, depending on the deck that you use. Right. And, uh, I, I use the most. I only, you know, I can't afford to buy. I wish I could all different decks and stuff. I only have the basic deck. I don't even, Rider Waif, I, I believe it's called. Yeah. I, mean, I don't even. Um, but I love to those get are my more. favorites. I love those with the the, the Pamela Coleman Smith artwork. Mm-hmm. Pixie, she was something else. I, I got plans to go visit her grave the next time I'm in the UK. But at one time, I had dozens of tarot decks, and so there's some that work better than others. There's some that I just didn't like the energy off of, particularly some of the darker decks. Like well, that's the, what uh, it's about—the energy. Do you know what I mean? Like that's you know, what I try and explain to my sister. When you're shuffling the cards, you really have to focus because if you're in a negative mind frame, it, it's going to affect your reading. And then I have to really close myself off so that I don't affect. There's been times when I've thrown mm-hmm. her cards, and I know for a fact it was my reading. Yeah. Yeah, I've had that happen before, too. That's why I haven't gone public But with I, I love it yet. when you're shuffling, and one will absolutely fly out of the deck. It's like, now, I can shuffle cards pretty good, but for one to, you know, across the room, I'm like, okay, that jumped out there for a reason. And right. now, do you care for your cards and things? We're, we can probably do a whole episode on tarot, and in fact, we will for people listening. But a lot of people I know that read, they wrap them in a cloth, they put a crystal in there with it. I've known people that would sage each card. And then there's, I've also known people that would put oil on them, kind of an, an anointing oil. I I definitely, like I said, if I had all of those things at my disposal, like I'm just getting started, I definitely, I, what I definitely do though is I make sure they're kept somewhere safe. I don't let anybody touch them unless they're shuffling them for a reading. And I tell them, you know, don't bend the cards. I always wash my hands and make them wash their hands before no, they touch. I'm, I'm very I agree. respectful. That's my to the deck. Cards. Nobody else's touch it. You don't share my tarot cards. You don't ride my motorcycle, and you don't share my girlfriend. So <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's pretty reasonable, though, Steve. You know, <laughs> anything else? You know, you can drink after me. You can stay at right. my house. You can use my bathroom, but don't touch my tarot cards, my motorcycle, or my girlfriend, or we're gonna have trouble. Well, I'm like that with my cards. Don't touch my tarot. Don't touch my car. And keep your hands away from my son, and I'm good. <laughs> He's <laughs> but, mine. And, and people can. And, and again, back to the Ouija here. Certain people have certain energies, and that seems to come through, no matter what kind of divination they're doing. Uh, scrying. I know people that have had just horrible experiences with that, either mirror scrying or uh, staring into a scrying bowl or bowl of water. I've always wanted to, to learn about that. Now, my grandmother did that. She had a black bowl that she used. And again, being a kitchen witch, it was, you know, probably a salad bowl or something that she used for other things. She didn't have an altar and a specific knife for this and that or the other. Kitchen witch, she used things that she already had and used for other things. But she would put water in a bowl and she would sit there and look into it and see things. Oh, I want to try that. Black um, six-inch scrying bowl on Etsy. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. But again... If you've got an old plastic bowl, then you can drink. Again, I think it's better if you have a specific item for a specific purpose. Because, again, right. who's to say that you're not going to pick up all the energy of everybody that's ever eaten out of that bowl? Or true, the true. food that was in the bowl prior to that. Ooh, you know, you know, scrying bowls and mirrors are actually pretty reasonable. Not to get off topic, I'm sorry, no. but... No, I, well, I think we need to do a whole episode on divination. Is this a fascinating oh, topic? Because I'm, I'm um, telling you right now, I'm ordering a scrying mirror or a scrying bowl. So another thing I that. that I like to do is the rune stones. I can do those. And another thing, very prevalent down south, I know how to cast bones. And I, I was talking to Lady Anne and Heather Mosier, who do the Caravan Library Lore podcast, and they were just absolutely floored. Like, you know how to do that? And I'm like, well, yeah, I watch my grandmother do it all the time. And they're like, oh, you have to teach us, you have to teach us. But I don't know if it's, there's some things you just can't teach people. I mean, you can assist It's either in you or it isn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, when I read her birth chart and when I explain to her about the planets and her Lilith and her North Node and all this stuff, some people just don't. I'm a Pisces. We're supposed to be the most psychic, live the most lives. And 
there's always been something about me. I can literally read someone's mind. And I don't like to say that because then people are like, what am I thinking? And it doesn't mm. work like that. Yeah. I read it mainly off emotion. Like in, when, if you and I were texting and you were feeling some type of way, I would know immediately. Yeah. I could be in a room with 200 people. If everyone's laughing, if one person is sad, even if they're not in my line of sight or angry, I will find that person and somehow be drawn to them and take on their emotion. I'm very empathic, mm -hmm. and I, I have so much psychic ability that I'm just dying to get out. That, my that's sister me. doesn't have that. You and know? I've my had to block are... it off myself a lot because I, I, it's hard for me to go to, say, a hospital or a nursing home or anything yes, like that unless uh -huh. I'm prepared and have my guards and my blocks up. It will drain every bit of energy off of me. And the sad thing is the people that are draining it don't even know they're doing it. They don't realize they're doing it. Mm -hmm. and Or the people that are putting things on you that they don't realize they're putting, just taking on that energy. My mother is Native American. Uh, my grandmother was old country Irish. You know, it's just It's in, in your me. blood. It is in you. It's a part of you. I wish that someday soon I'm going to really start exploring that within myself. I've always wanted to. And there's a time in my life now, even my readings, my tarot readings are telling me that it's time to connect with the other realm. We'll, I mean, we'll it's been coming we'll, up in every single reading. Just to let the listeners know, we will do a show dedicated to tarot and then one oh, to yeah. just general divination. And we'll cover all this, casting the bones, different types of cards, tarot and Blintermond and other things like that, runes, scrying pendulums, anything that's of, of interest that way, and alternative or maybe lesser-known types of divination, we'll cover that. I'll talk about how my grandmother could read animal entrails. So that's a lot of people have never heard of that, and I'd never heard of it. But I actually studied up on it and found that that dates back to Vikings, that they would often kill an animal and study the entrails before they went into battle to determine if they were going to be victorious or not. Now, the most interesting widget story that I have personally, it didn't really happen to me, but it did. In my video, the, the Thing in the Ditch, I talk about this invisible creature that chased me when I was a kid twice. That I, I couldn't see it, but I could see the effects that it was having on the woods around it. I could see the leaves kicking up. I could see the limbs being broken and bent. And uh, I got the hell out of there. But that was the first time it happened was when I was eight years old. The second time. I was 15, and it was just a few weeks before, maybe a couple months before we moved from there. And I, I, I hadn't been back up there to where it happened since. I grew up out in the country, semi-rural West Knox County in East Tennessee, and we had 26 acres, and only about five of that was cleared off. So I had a lot of woods to wander around in and play when I was a kid and still be on our property. And that's where this ditch was. And curiously enough, I found out later that that ditch line had been the dirt road through that area, the old stagecoach road, um, dating back to Revolutionary War times and probably before. Wow. But whatever. Came up out of the ditch. It chased me at eight, again, seven years later. Well, flash forward about another five or six years. I mean, probably 20 at the time. I was working in West Knoxville at a place. And the guy that I worked with that I didn't know other than from work and didn't really know that well at all at work, had invited me to a party after work that was nearby in an apartment complex. And I was like, eh, okay, sure. So I went to the party with him, and the only person I knew at this party was this guy, and I didn't really know him. Well, some of the girls had found a Ouija board under the host's couch, and like, oh, let's have fun, let's do this, let's play Ouija. <laughs> so they start going around the room and asking different people questions. So when they got to me, I thought, okay, I've got a good one for you. I said, what scared me when I was a kid with that incident about the ditch in mind, but I didn't say anything else. That was all I said. Right. And again, I didn't know these people. I'd never seen them before, never saw them since. And other than the guy I worked with, well, they get on the board and it starts moving around and it spells out W-A-T-E-R-S-P-R-I-T-E. -E. Water Sprite. Oh, and they're like, they're looking at me. They don't have a clue. And I just kind of shrug my shoulders and they're laughing. They're, oh, it's thirsty. It wants some water or it wants a Sprite. So I'm just like, mm, wow. Okay. But then the next day, and this was before the days of the internet where you could look up stuff online, I went to the library and I went over to the reference desk and asked the reference librarian, I said, what can you tell me about a water Sprite? And I 
went and sat at a table. About an hour or so later, she comes over with some books. She opens it up. There's some illustrations there and some writing. There's elemental-type creatures, a part of the fae, known as either naiads or dryads. One is a guardian of the woods and the trees, and the other is a guardian of the waters. And that's what a water sprite is. It's a guardian of the waters. And the stunning thing about that revelation was that our property, and just probably less than 100 yards from where I was at when that happened, there are seven natural springs that flow out of the hillsides there and into one bigger brook branch that goes into the lake, which was about 300 yards away. Oh, my gosh. So, but again, why did it attack me or chase me out of there? Did it know that I normally can sense things? Because my dad and my brother went up there and looked around after the first time I got scared. And they could see where something had been there. And they asked me, was it a bear? Was it a deer? Was it a dog? Was it a skunk? Was it a raccoon? No. Whatever it was, I couldn't see it. And they could tell it was big by the way the the branches had been snapped and affected things. So, again, that's a mystery to me why it only didn't want me there. So one of I was going to say, what were you doing there again? I was just looking around. I was just messing around in the woods. I probably felt threatened or something that maybe you were going to do something. That's really interesting. Yeah. And uh, next door, neighbor now out in the country next door was a couple miles away. But uh, he would come over to play sometimes when we were small like that, seven, eight, nine, ten years old. And I basically used him as bait. I wouldn't go up there. I wouldn't go near it. But I stayed down the hill, and I hid behind a tree. And I'm like, Johnny, would you go up there and, and, and just stand and look down in the ditch and see what you see? And he's like, okay. You know, he didn't, he didn't know. Yeah, like, and he goes up there, and he walks around, and he looks. And, he, and he's like, what am I looking for? And I'm like, just, just stay there for a few minutes. Absolutely nothing. And hmm. I tried that on several occasions and with a couple of other different friends. Didn't bother anybody. I wouldn't go up there. The last time I was up there, I was 15 years old. Like I said, we were getting ready to move from there, my childhood home. We'd had a custom home built a few miles away up the road in the Corrins community. And I was just out kind of reminiscing, you know, about all my little haunts in the woods from childhood and realizing that in a few weeks that I'd never be able to see them like this again, that it would be somebody else's property then. And although I could probably come back and visit, it just wasn't the same. And well, I'd know. walked back up there, and I just, I stood, same thing, looked down in the ditch, and I even thought, I thought, what, what that was that scared me when I was a kid? Hmm. And as I turned to walk away, I hear something in the leaves. I whip around, there it comes, up over the lip of this ditch, the ditch was probably eight, ten feet deep, and same thing, it's kicking up the leaves, the trees are moving, nothing there. Now, I didn't run screaming and crying that time, but I didn't waste any time getting out of there. First time, <laughs> I was making so much noise, I was probably quarter mile away from the house i was making so much noise that my mom heard me coming through the woods and was out on the back porch to see what all the commotion was i ran past her went in the house and i think i hid under the bed oh yeah i was gonna say you're also a uh you know you're a halloween baby you're a water sign scorpio i wonder if that has anything to do there's, with it uh, there's some kind of connection there and again no idea what but that's that's my strangest ouija board story that i'm connected with in that regard. That's crazy. That's a really good one. And then the other one that I have, again, anytime I've ever had anything strange happen with a Ouija, it was when I was around it and not necessarily the one using it. When I lived in Las Vegas, I had a photography studio in my house. I had this big old house that was built in the 30s. And at the time when it was built, that would have been the absolute middle of the desert. There was no strip or anything at that point. All that was in Las Vegas was downtown on Fremont Street. And there was this big old house out there, and I'd gotten a, a really good deal on it. Now, by this point, it was in the city. But uh, downstairs, it was weird. It just, uh, that was, I lived upstairs. I had my studio and everything downstairs. I had several big rooms set up down there. The, the back room, you know, open up outside, walk-out basement. So there was good lighting, and then I had some other rooms. I had a brick room. And there were some curious features there. When you came down the stairs into the basement, there was a bookcase built into the wall. Well, I found out that that bookcase opened up, and there's a concrete square room in there, about mm, 10, 12, maybe 15 feet square. Bare concrete with a drain in the floor. Now, that doesn't sound good, if you know anything about Vegas. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, I'd found some things in the attic and stuff, like brochures for machine guns and things like that. So I'm thinking, this has been a mob safe house, because at the time, I said when it was built, it would have been out in the desert in 1932, 35, whenever it was built. Well, I had some strange things happen in that house. It was actively haunted. I used to hear what sounded like somebody dragging a metal trash can full of something down the hallway. It had uh, hardwood floors. And it would always be when I was in the bathroom taking a bath. I liked to, I had a big Roman garden tub in there, sunken tub. And I like to go and sit and just relax in the bath and, and think about things. And every single time I got in that tub, whatever this was would drag things up and down the hallway. I would hear people walking either in the crawl space or on the roof. It didn't have a full attic. It just had a, a sh you couldn't stand up in the, the attic up there. It was just like storage. And I would hear people walking around either up there on the roof, go outside, nobody anywhere. And this was the property, had a stone fence around it and an iron gate. And I had all kinds of security cameras and stuff. I had motion detectors, proximity alarms. I knew if anybody got near, I mean, they couldn't even get in the driveway without me knowing it. And none of that it ever went off, or if it did go off, there was nothing on the cameras and nobody there. I've had knocks at the door. Bam, 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 bam. Mm. Nobody there. And, you know, I thought, eh, it's probably kids playing or something. But, again, the cameras would have caught them. So all this weird activity happened there. Well, uh, I was having a portfolio session one time where I'd book several models to come in. And basically, we were doing portfolio shots for each of them. I had a, a fashion client, and we were using their wardrobe pieces. So it was kind of double duty for me. The client would get their fashion shots to use, and I think they were putting them online or in a catalog. And then the girls would get shots for their portfolios, and then everything went into my portfolio, too. And two of the girls were sisters, twins. And there was another girl, third girl, named Jill. And uh, she comes up to me. She's like, I, I can't work with those two. And I'm like, Clara, what's the problem? And she said, they keep looking at me weird. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll see what's going on. So... She went downstairs. I had a hair guy and a makeup artist down there. So she went in the chair, and I called the two sisters in. And I said, what's going on? Jill says you guys are having a problem or something. And they're like, it's not us. It's her. She keeps saying all these weird things under her breath and making snarky comments and stuff. And I'm like, like what? And she's stuff like, you're not very pretty for a model. And are you sure you should be doing this? And, and stuff like that. Well, it turns out Jill had heard the same thing in the, the living room there. I had a lounge. She thought that they were She saying, thought it was them. But it was like this disembodied voice that was oh whispered in their ears. And I had another Ooh. girl there that same night. She was in the, the, the lounge. She comes tearing into the kitchen wearing high heels, slides on the floor, wipes out a couple of chairs. And she's like, something whispered in my ear in the living room, and there was nobody but me in there. So I called a meeting, and the two girls, I didn't know it. They hadn't lived in Vegas long. They were from Colorado. Had just moved there. I think they'd been there about more, maybe three months, six months. But they were heavily into the occult, and they practiced witchcraft. And they said, you know what we should do? We should hold a seance. I'm like, okay, that sounds fun, because I'd always wondered about the house anyway. So we booked out, it was about two weeks later, on a Friday night. I was going to have everybody over. Just so happened that I had another product shoot, so I got them all in there. We got the shoot done and over with. That's just me being practical, you know, because we've got all these models here. I'm going to go ahead and shoot and, and send pictures to the clients for the webpage, and then we'll have a seance. So we got all set up, and, of course, they were fascinated with the hidden room. And that was where they wanted to hold the seance. And one of the sisters went in there, and she drew a circle out of salt on the floor. And they lit candles and all this, and they had a Ouija board with them. They had this old, like, a big Rubbermaid tub full of stuff. And one of the things they had in there was a Ouija board. So they took that, and we all piled in there. There was those two and another model and me. And they, they set up all this. They started the Ouija board, and they got activity right away on it and it was a very angry male spirit and he, he wouldn't give his name he was like you know that's none of your business you know why do you need to know just real aggressive and uh, th things happened while we were in there and they did admonish us you know whatever you do do not step outside this circle or 
move outside the circle. We were actually sitting Indian leg in it around in a circle. And had all this going on on the Ouija board, the candles went out. And I thought, you know, oh my God, we're going to be trapped in here because that was my first thought. It's dark. We're in this tiny little concrete room. And even though I'd never had a problem opening and closing before, it was a spring-loaded bookcase. So it would slam shut once you went inside. I thought, we're not going to be able to get out of here. But I, it opened up, and we were able to get out. And then we went up into the lounge and continued. To, now, I left out some things there. She opened the circle, let us out, and then closed the circle, closed the portal. She did everything she was supposed to do, banished the spirit back to wherever. And uh, went upstairs into the lounge, and we kept getting these people that said they had died in the house and that they'd been murdered there and stuff. And again... That kind of led to the the mafia safe house thing, the mob safe house. So all this went on with a seance. We finally wrapped it up and just, you know, it was strange because all these things had happened in that house, all the noises, the knocks, the disembodied voice, and now all this with the Ouija board, the candles blowing out. And this was a little enclosed room. There was no air circulating in there whatsoever. Well, in another part of the basement, it looked like, a vestibule of a church or something. It was The room was very odd. It had two little alcoves set back in the wall, like where you could put candles and things. And then there was another little area that was kind of had kind of an arch. And then there was a window that went between that room and another room, like a little... It was a window opening, but with a window that made out of wood that slid up and down. It didn't have any glass in it or anything. So oh. I thought, I don't know what this is. And there other times, I had a roommate for a while, and she was there by herself one day, and I was actually out at Red Rock Canyon doing a, a photo shoot. And she said that she was there, she heard a bunch of people downstairs. She said it sounded like a little party going on. And then, then people started singing. And she texted me, she's like, what kind of party you got going on down there? <laughs> and she wouldn't come down and interrupt my shoot. She was a model, too. And I said, down where? I'm in Red Rock. And she's like, uh, there's something going on downstairs. So, and she's texting me. So she walks down, and about the time she got to the bottom stair, and it's pitch dark down there, all the noise stopped, all the people murmuring, the people singing. She said it sounded like they were singing a hymn, but she couldn't make out what it was. Wow. And she calls me at this point, and she's like, can I come out to your location? She's like, mm-hmm. I'm scared shitless. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, come on out. I can yeah, use, don't you know, blame her. production assistant. You can hold a, a a light reflector or something. So she came out, she was spooked, and she wouldn't stay by herself in the house for a long time. Well, at another time, I'd gone out to get the mail. The mailbox was this big brick affair that had a locking door and stuff. So I'm standing out there fiddling with my keys and trying to get it open to get my mail out of this thing. And I noticed, like, kind of behind me and to one side, there's an old man standing there, and he's, like, really staring at me. And I, I turned around, I'm like, hey, how you doing? Can I, can I help you? So he's, I'd say he's probably in his 80s or something. And he's like, no. He's like, I just want, and he, and he said, and pardon me for staring. He said, but I just wanted to get a look at you. And I'm like, oh? And he said, yeah, I just wondered what kind of person could live in that house. And I thought, oh. hmm. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well. That's not something you want to hear. Yeah. So I'm like, well, this kind of person, like, why, what, what do you know? And he had actually lived on that street since the 50s. And he said that it had indeed been a mob house at one time, a safe house. And he suspected, he said he had heard stories that at one time there were people that went in there and never came back out, at least not in one piece. But then he went on to tell me that in the 70s, he said there was some kind of cult that used this house. Because it was a big property. It had a couple of acres with it. And it was landscaped. It had like a water feature and trees and grass. And it was like an oasis in the desert. And it was probably about a 5,000 square foot house. So it would be big enough for that sort of thing. But he said, yeah, there was some kind of cult that had inhabited the place and had used the basement for like their services. So I have no clue. (laughs) I mean, that that just goes to show you, I mean, it was a nice looking old house, but anytime you're in any kind of property, even a hotel room, you don't know what's gone in there the day before you were there. If I'm traveling and I stay in a hotel, I smudge that shit. I sprinkle salt in the corners. I open up the door, prop it open and say, out. Anything in here, get out. I'm here now. You can't stay. Out, out, yep. out, out, out. That's a good idea. 
But that was my other creepy Ouija board story because it was telling us things like the one guy that wouldn't give his name and stuff. He sounded like what you would think a mobster would sound like, you know, like, who wants to know? Why do you need my name? You know, what are you, snitch? (laughs) You know, that sort of thing. (laughs) You rat. But that's my two of my creepiest Ouija board stories. Now, there's more. Another one, a friend of mine that had gotten killed skateboarding, car ran over him. His mom was into Ouija board, and, and I'd been over to their house lots and lots of times, and we had sat, and I think I'd even worked a Ouija board with his mom and his aunt a couple times. Well, after he died, anytime his mother, and his mother was one of those people like you that can actually do it by herself. Now, not everybody can, mm-hmm. and it's not recommended that people do it. No, but she could not. do it by herself. And I even heard stories that somebody came in one time, and she was sitting with a Ouija board in her lap, and she wasn't touching the planchette, and it was moving. So, I don't know. Now, that, again, that was unsubstantiated. I didn't see it. I heard that secondhand. I've seen that happen when I was using it myself. Yeah. Um, I I needed confirmation. I, You know, people would always tell me, oh, it's your subconscious. So, of course, me being me, I need, and yes, I, I mean, I've seen it with my own eyes. If you can use it by yourself, which, like you said, not that many people can, you have to have some kind of energy in you or just get a really bad entity. Mm-hmm. They'll take advantage of anybody. Cool. But if you have a certain, you know, psychic energy and you're able to do it by yourself, you'll be able, it will move on its own. I, I can attest to that 100%. Yeah. But supposedly she could not only do it on her own, it would do it on its own in her presence if she sat there and concentrated hard enough. Mm-hmm. But after her son got killed, I think he was 15, almost 16 years old. A tragic. He'd snuck out and gone skateboarding after midnight. And he was on the shoulder of the road, but a girl driving, and she was like 16 too, she was driving her dad's BMW and driving way too fast. And the way she took the curve, she used the shoulder and hit him he went through the car was killed through the windshield but anytime after that when the lady would try to use the ouija board the only spirit she could get was one that was claiming to be her son and wouldn't let anything else come through oh and she just put it away and as far as i know hasn't used it since and that's been gosh almost 30 years ago that was smart though because it could have easily manipulated her it was probably a bad entity yeah was it really him was it a familiar spirit she would have known if it was her son i think if she was that practiced at it she would have known how to find out if it was her son for i think if she really thought that was her son why would she put it away do you know what i mean well one thing i mean losing a kid has got to be the worst thing any time a a parent outlives a child. I think that's one of the worst I can't possible things. I can't imagine going through my that. My nephew died of cancer at 21 last year, and my sister mm. has just never been the same. Yeah. But I think just because this was immediately after he got killed, and, you know, she was still very, very much in the grieving process, probably still is. I, I still talk to her sometimes, but I don't mention the Ouija board or anything like that. Right, of course. Of course. But. It was just too much at that time, I think, that, you know, everything was still too fresh. And then something's on the board claiming to be him, and she's just like, I can't do this, and put it away. Now, strange thing about that, that same instance when he was killed that night, I remember being out with my girlfriend at the time, and we both commented on how dark it was out that night. It just seemed so black. I don't think there was a moon or anything. I don't remember if it was cloudy or what, but it just, it was a very black, very dark night. The next morning, now at the time, we just, we didn't have a bed. We just had a mattress on the floor. Mm -hmm. And uh, she got up to go answer the phone. And I'm laying like with my head hanging halfway off the mattress. And right in my face is a pair of shoes, a pair of L.A. gears that I used to wear when skateboarding. And these were old, nasty, worn out things that I'd thrown back in the closet. They were pushed right up to my mattress, heels first, to where I was, my face was almost in these shoes. And inside the shoes, there was a pack of Salem cigarettes. Now, the curious thing about all this, and then, of course, she came back in and told me, you know, that you need to come and take this call. And it was the the kid's mother telling me that he'd gotten killed last night. And, of course, I was absolutely devastated. He and I were friends. He was like my little brother that I never had. But I used that's the shoes I used to wear when he and I skateboarded together. And now his mom, she was from Southern California. She was what we call a bliss ninny, and I don't mean that in any bad way, but they're very lax on their parenting and, you know, very much 
friends to their children mm -hmm. more than a parent. Well, she allowed him to smoke at 15 with the only, because she smoked, the only thing being that he had to, to buy his own cigarettes. She wasn't going to pay for them, but if he had money, she would buy him cigarettes. Well, he would always hit me up for cigarettes. And at the time when I was hanging out with him regularly, that was the kind that I smoked, was those Salem's. And I hadn't had a pack of those, Gemma, in months, maybe wow. even a year. I'd switched to another brand. I think I was Sterling Menthol or something at that point. And yet, you know, here's can... these shoes out of the closet. And I asked my girlfriend, I said, why did you take those shoes out of the closet and put them in my face? You're trying to wake me up, give me brain mm -hmm. damage? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. But there was those shoes that I used to wear skating when I'd skated with this kid and a pack of cigarettes unopened like I smoked when he and I hung out together and he would bum cigarettes off of me. I made a video about it. Marshall says goodbye. And I think that was his way of, you know, saying, hey, I'll see you later. Thanks for the smokes. Here's, here's a pack back. And I yeah, did. I, I didn't want to smoke them, but I thought that's what he'd want me to do. So I, I eventually did. That's pretty cool. I can go into... So many paranormal experiences I've had, you know, just you mentioning that just makes me think of so many. And I hope one day we can do a show on those because I've got, I could talk for hours about oh, paranormal same here. experiences I, I can I've and had, do. Ouija board or no, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, we talked about, we'll do one on tarot. We'll do one on just divination in general. If anybody has any subjects you'd like to see covered, anything paranormal, supernatural, occult, drop us a line. What's our email, Gemma? Strange Things Podcast at gmail.com. All right. Well, that's Strange Ouija Board Stories. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Be sure to give us a like. Be sure to subscribe with your notification bell on. And I cannot wait to see you guys next time. And I'll see you in the comments. Thank you for joining Jim and myself. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. <laughs>